0: Shalom Alechem. Welcome to the Shmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I am visiting with Abigail Pogrubin. Abigail Pogrubin is the author of My Jewish Year, 18 Holidays, One Wandering Jew, a much expanded chronicle of her popular column for the Forward, for which she spent 12 months researching and observing every holiday in the Jewish calendar. She is also the author of Stars of David. Prominent Jews Talk About Being Jewish, which went into eight hardcover printings and was later adapted for the off-Broadway stage. Her second book, One and the Same, delved into every aspect of growing up as a twin. And her best-selling Amazon Kindle single, Showstopper, recounts her teenage adventures in the original Broadway cast of Stephen Sotheim's flop, Merrily We Roll Along. Abigail was formerly a broadcast producer for Fred Friendly, Charlie Rose and Bill Moyers at PBS, then for Ed Bradley and Mike Wallace at 60 Minutes. She's been published in numerous magazines and newspapers, including Newsweek, New York Magazine, The Forward, Tablet and The Daily Beast. She's moderated conversations at the JCC in Manhattan, 92nd Y, the Skirball Center and Shalom Hartman Institute. She lives in Manhattan and is currently the president of Central Synagogue. Welcome Abigail.
1: Thank
0: you so much. Well, thank you for joining me. And uh, first of all, a huge thank you. Uh, I read My Jewish Year in Two Sittings. Wow. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Um, I felt like you wrote that book just for me. But anyway, (laughs) Um, I think it's safe to say that the book recounts your personal journey or exploration, Um, Mm. and yet it seems to... I've thought, allow the reader the opportunity to have their own takeaway. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about how you approached the topic and also the telling of the story.
1: Yeah, I think that's a perfect point. I I knew that I had to uh, come from a very
0: personal uh, prism because
1: it's the only one I've got, but I also was approaching it as a journalist and a fairly anal one, I would say, in the sense that all of my background tells me to do as much research as possible before delving into an area that is new. Um, and certainly I would say the Jewish calendar fit that bill. I didn't, I was not, you know, uh, to say I was was not a master is an understatement. I really was a rookie uh, dipping a toe in for the first time and wanting to really be able to ask not just smart questions, but honest questions when I was sitting down or calling these rabbis, and I interviewed over 60 in the book, uh, rabbis and scholars, and say, you know, why should a holiday like Shmenei at Zeret, which is fairly obscure, um, even sometimes to the observant, you know, why should a holiday like that or six baths resonate in this moment, in this day and age that we're in? I mean, these were holidays, most of them that were obviously created, you know, thousands of years ago. Some obviously were created in my lifetime. That was one of the revelations of, of this journey, was learning that holidays had been added, um, you know, there are modern holidays as well as ancient ones, but really to be that the organizing principle for the book and for me personally was, what does this tradition kind of do for us in this time? And I don't mean kind of sitting back and folding our arms and saying, you know, what are you going to do for me? But we make choices every day about what we spend time on, and particularly when it comes to ritual. I think it's a fairly high bar um, in our society, which is a fairly selfish one or, or self-oriented one to say, why, why should I take the time to do this? Um, for those who've grown up with it, it's no—it's unquestioned that, that they do all these things. But for the majority of Jews, it really is a choice. And I really wanted to understand that choice and understand the tradition very um, deeply and then also very personally.
0: I, I wanted to ask you about um, the way that you reached out to rabbis for the commentary, because I found that really... Great. I mean, it has such a sort of a Jewishness to it because they all had different takes on the holidays. But it seemed to uh, allow you to navigate and to interpret. And I was curious, did you speak with them at the onset so that you would have a different way to approach each holiday? Or were those done after and they helped to sort of rest, you know, sort of rein in everything?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. For the most part, I really was uh, kind of picking teachers ahead of time uh, for each holiday, based on whether I thought that they would have a a certain kind of either expertise um, in a holiday, or they've written about it before, or I've read a sermon that particularly resonated for me. You know, one thing i found, to be honest, is that almost every rabbi can talk about every holiday, and that's, I think, the gift of their discipline and their training and their orientation and their um, sensitivity, frankly. And that was, you know, a very luminous um, discovery to realize that you can pretty much pick up the phone and say, you know, I know I was going to talk to you about Yom HaShoah, but can we also talk about Shavuot? I mean, that's, that's not something I think that just the average Joe can do. And so I did find that there was kind of a thrill in that, honestly, of being able to sort of pick your teachers, your guides. And then have as frank a conversation as I had the courage to have, but what you're right about is that I did also when I was you know that when I was doing this originally for the forward uh, newspapers, I was writing it in real time, and there was often a major time pressure, right? You know the holidays were coming fast and furious. I had to do the research and figure out where I was going to observe that holiday and then kind of go home and digest it once I was writing the book and revisiting these holidays, I was able to go a little more leisurely into the learning and the preparation and the, and the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I had an editor who also pushed me to be a lot more, frankly, personal about what I was experiencing every step of the way.
0: Um, when you mention personal, it's, it's interesting. I felt, and I don't know if this is the right word to attach to this, but I felt it was very familiar. I felt as though... This was these were conversations that I could be part of comfortably at your family table. I just it was so accessible and not um, again preachy or uh, yeah. I'm I'm searching for the right word there, but it was no. Interesting. That's a great
1: word. I mean, I'm I'm glad you're mentioning this because to me it was a goal without me ever expressing it that this should feel. I don't want to say you know entertaining because that sounds really. Um, almost flippant, and Mm -hmm. I don't mean it that way. I mean, it's obviously serious stuff. But, you know, I wanted to be candid in a way that was accessible because I think we're all, if we're honest about it, we're not always moved. We're not always spiritually connected. We're not always, um, you know, unconfused, if that's a word. There are times where, you know, we're either feeling a little bit detached or feeling like that idea doesn't make sense to me or feeling like that prayer doesn't speak to me. You know, I wanted, or you know, you're trying to learn how to blow a show and and you know, you've got water spitting out of your mouth because that was what the instruction booklet told me to do. That was a great I, I really, scene, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I just felt like I needed to be myself through this, and not I am not, and not pretend to be the scholar that I'm not. So even though I do feel like I'm a fairly rigorous journalist, and I wanted to make sure that my interviews knew I was doing my homework, I also am sort of the every Jew moving through this, and I, I think that whether, and I've, you know, been very gratified to hear, whether someone is new to these holidays or, frankly, observes them all, they have found it to be refreshing in that way. They have found it to maybe, you know, have an idea or um, a ritual or an approach that they hadn't quite thought about before, which is, of course, the virtue of this tradition is that it's bottomless. You know, in terms of meaning, I think once you start delving in. But you're, you, you know, I really appreciate what you're saying about the accessibility because that that is. I felt like if if this feels like a slog, then it won't work.
0: No, it was it it was as I say something that I read in um, two sittings, and I felt like you really provided a window into each of these holidays. Um, and you know, some were ones that. I know well and observed with families and honestly there were some, as you say, that you know, are not as well known. Um mm. there are holidays that we have here at the Yiddish Book Center and we um you know, recognize and observe, but they're sometimes challenging to understand and the way you did this narrative, um going from one to the next and talking about I mean they are interrelated, which I hadn't I hadn't really mm. explored that before. Um, how how challenging was that for you? to both understand and then share. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, this is where kind of I'm a little bit of the, of the excited nerd, where, you know, the learning for me opens up the feeling. And that meant that, you know, even if I was exploring something like the Tent of Tevet, which is the January fast that marks the siege of the temple, the first temple, um, it's the first stage of destruction as the rabbis describe it, and you, you go into a holiday like that thinking, how could this ever come alive for me now? I'm not connected to the idea of Judaism in a building. Um, I never lived, obviously, in the time when um, this religion was basically focused on one physical place, the way the Temple was. And suddenly, in these conversations about the Tenth of Tevet, I had one kind of lesson or takeaway after another that completely spoke to my life. You know, one for example was just the idea that we, you know, one rabbi, Yosef uh, Blau from YU uh, Yeshiva University, said, you know, for me, the tent of Tevet is that should is a lesson that we should remember to pay attention to the beginning of bad things, um, the clouds before the storm, and certainly, I think in this moment, with the spike of anti Semitism, or however one feels about politics, there are certain ways in which of disquiet. That we're not quite sure whether to pay attention to or wave off. That was an example of you know a lesson that has come back to me ever since I did the you know the first exploration of this, and and it completely reverberates again and again. So there there were so many times where a rabbi's teaching would take me somewhere very um, real and personal in that moment, and it wasn't just about my navel gazing based mm-hmm. on the holidays. I think so much of the lessons of these holidays, as I'm sure you read, were, you know, it's not about what you're feeling, Abby, it's about what you're doing, and, you know, how are you acting in a world that makes it better in any possible way. That, that is, to me, the Jewish orientation over and over again um, in these milestones of the calendar. Um, and so even if you are fasting on Yom Kippur or dressing them in crazy costumes on Purim, you're really supposed to be oriented to the person who's suffering, uh, whether that's someone you know or someone you don't, and that to me is again what made these, that animated these lessons and these holidays and these uh, rabbi conversations. Yeah, and was an urgency about
0: responsibility. And um, that I think was articulated again so beautifully is that um, it is that participation, that participation, and and that sort of personal way that we engage with this. I know you. Um, talked with Rabbi Birkin about how you wrestled with Shabbos um, and Mm. there was one line, I believe it was um, that she said to retain the challenge and I thought that's such great advice and Mm. how how, has that played out for you going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean I think part of what, I sort of got permission from these rabbis to struggle and I think that's a big Take away too, this is not all pat and neat and um, kind of codified in all of our lives we're We're always flailing a bit, and even um someone like Lauren Birkin obviously you know is an accomplished rabbi and uh, a very important educator at Shalom Hartman, you know even she was saying this is this can be difficult, this can be hard um, find a Shabbat, wrestle with Shabbat so that it you know. That you're kind of engaged with that holiday, even if you don't necessarily feel like you have figured out what your Shabbat is, and that to me is, I think, just a huge um, and important and helpful idea that we don't necessarily have to figure out. This is what my observance is going to be. This is what my Hanukkah or my, you know, my Purim or my Shavuot is going to be. I'm these are in flux, and they should be. Right, and I think the- the crime or the the sad the sad outcome is that someone says, "Ah, oh, you know what? it's all overwhelming. I'm not gonna do anything.
0: I'm not going to add
1: anything
0: now, getting, um, my
1: my 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 Judaism is baked you know
0: yeah i mean Sorry. that that permission that you speak about and also the process, which it seems like mm-hmm. it's an ongoing process because every year you're going to bring something different to each one right. of these holidays and and how we take some of that construct and then apply it um is it's a really interesting way of looking at this was there one holiday which was particularly challenging to get through or that you were anticipating was going to be hard
1: you know all the fasts were i would say the most challenging um and i would say they they were, not just because of the food, which I know I talk a lot about, it very food-focused food, food focused person. Um, they were challenging just, again, to kind of reify, to, to animate for this moment. And in a funny way, I put the least pressure on those holidays because I expected the least from them, and they were some of the most surprising. Um, so, you know, even though I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily going to be a faster from now on other than Yom Kippur, which I already had done and will continue to do, I do, you know, those fasts are in my calendar and, and will remain in my calendar. I, I want to keep track of when they are. I want to um, revisit the lessons that I learned for each of them. So even though, again, there was more barriers um, around fasting and the, the fact that we are mourning the destruction of the temple, or two temples, that don't really, uh, aren't really alive for me, um, I also feel like the lessons are... They are alive, and and that's where I've kind of gotten over the difficulty of the holiday
0: itself. Also, the um, the way that you explain the fasting for each one of the different holidays speaks to the fact that each one has a different intention. Yes, and and how that is realized in the process again was really interesting as well. As and I wonder if you could talk to this. I was fascinated by. Um, you're explaining some of the choices of foods, you know, knowledge being something that's round and eaten in one bite. Mm. So you're
1: saying just in terms of clarify the question a little bit. Um,
0: so you you mentioned some of the foods that are eaten at holidays and what they represent. I mean, we certainly know what the Seder plate has on it and what those Food choices represent, but in other instances um, you mention certain foods that uh, are attached to ideas of um, knowledge or the you know a hard shell that you have to break oh yes,
1: like right on tuva yeah you know, I mean, some suddenly the idea that there are four worlds, um, which is obviously one of the the mystics idea that there are four worlds and that there's a corresponding you know fruit for each one of those, and the idea that we are fruits in some ways, metaphorically, I mean, I think that by itself, you know, it, it may sound on, on some level kind of crunchy granola, but, you know, what an idea to say, where are you, um, the the impen- impenetrable fruit, you know, the, the one that, that has a hard shell or a soft um, center, or the, the opposite, which is that you're, you know, that Kind of the, the date that has a, a pit on the inside and soft on the outside. That those ideas of you know even like one uh, Basia Schechter, who's the uh, the musical leader um, spiritual leader at Romamu, um, which is you know I, I would say it's a hard hard to to label um, but very vibrant congregation in New York, which mixes orthodoxy and mysticism um, and meditation. Basia talked about you know when. When ha- what are your pits? You know where are the places that you come up against a wall, and can you break through them? Suddenly you're thinking about that fruit and yourself, and as crunchy as that may be, it completely opened up a whole line of thinking I haven't thought before. Um, I even felt, frankly, on on you know making Hamantashen for the first time with my daughter, that yeah, I didn't realize these were the four corners of Haman's hat, um, and. You know, sometimes I, I do think kids are, are raised without, you know, some of the things that connect you to the story that allows you to remember it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: we we often are, I think, particularly in Hebrew school, with so many people I've interviewed for my past books have said, it "Was of so traumatizing." Um, it's that are are we teaching our kids to make the connections that ultimately make the holiday more indelible and, frankly, more clear? Um, so there were moments of that too where I was like, "Wow, I didn't." I actually never knew why that hamantash is shaped that way. Now, maybe that's just sick on my part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. So your family does play a part in this. Um, They ride along with you for part of it, and they're on the periphery for other parts of it. Has it changed their engagement individually or collectively?
1: Yeah. You know, I would say that um, I really didn't require them to take this journey with me. Um, and I think it's just important to, you know, to note that decision because I could have said, you know, please don't, don't make me go to the you know, these you know, services or dancing with the Torah by myself. Um, but I actually felt like it was a very important demarcation that this was my journey and my exploration. And ultimately, if someone is going to dip a toe into a new holiday, sometimes you are going to end up doing it alone. And you kind of have to have the courage, or I hope someone would have the courage to do that. Um, That said, it was unavoidable that my family was in the mix of this um, just because they were living with me and I was kind of, you know, all guns blazing trying to keep up with these holidays in real time. And so they had to not just be cheerleaders, but be sounding boards as I was figuring all this out, resting with the ideas, figuring out where I was going to go next. Um, And that was just that was just wonderful because they're, they just are believers and, and they are, frankly, my support system in every way. Um, I did find that my family traditions, my home-based holidays changed in the sense that I wanted to deepen them. I wanted to make those connections that you called out, you know, make sure you kind of understand why, you know, we are moving from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur to Shavuot, Shavu, uh, I'm sorry. Like, these are not random non-sequiturs. Mm-hmm. These are all of a piece. And that, I think, is, you know, I try to do without being didactic, is just in our meals that precede holidays or at the Passover table, is to really try to make these connections um, for my kids and for my um, my nephews and, and nieces.
0: Well, I thank you for writing the book. Um, it will definitely change the way I uh you know, uh, engage with holidays going forward, or at least give them some consideration. Um, And again, the book is My Jewish Year, 18 Holidays, One Wondering Jew. It's available uh, at the Yiddish Book Center's online and on-site store, shop.yiddishbookcenter.org. Thank you, and I hope you're working on the next book. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode is produced by me, Alexa Sewing. And until next time, be well and be healthy.